Did you know that it's possible to raise your littles to want to listen to you without the use of consequences, rewards, and bribes? Hi, I'm Kaylee Zeyer, and this is the Chaos to Connected podcast, where we discuss simple yet effective parenting strategies to manage those pesky behaviors we go to bed at night hoping will be gone tomorrow. We're going to stand up to societal norms of disconnection, shaming, and punishments so we can take a deeper look into our child's heart. It's there you'll find connection, and there where you'll find more peace, obedience, respect, and joy. So what are you waiting for? We know those behaviors aren't going to go away on their own. Let's dive in. Welcome to the episode today. I'm really excited to have you here. I always am, but today is a little extra special because it is the first behind the scenes of the behavior blueprint one-on-one coaching, as I call it. And I like to call it that because I view behavior in layers, just like a blueprint. I think there's a foundation that needs to be set, and then there's structure after that, and then there's all the customizations, you know, whether it's sibling stuff that you're going through, separation stuff that you're going through. There's all these different layers to behavior, and I think we need to be paying attention to all of it, and there's lots of key components I feel like that are missing in a lot of the mainstream recommendations for behavior. And so what I really wanted to do with these sessions and is to sit down and listen to what you're struggling with, with the behavior that your child is exhibiting, and teach you, help you create this behavior blueprint based on what I'm hearing from you. So whether there's sensory involvement, whether it's aggression, whatever the behavior is, helping figure out what's at the root, what are the feelings there, how do we process them, how do we get connected, because when kids are connected, behavior improves. But there's a lot of depth to that and a lot more that I can't simply share just here on the podcast or in Instagram stories or what have you. And so I wanted to create a space. If you're struggling with a certain behavior, if you can't quite figure out how to fix it, or you try all these different strategies and they work for a period of time, but you're falling back into the trap of yelling or shaming or punishing and you can't keep your own self-control and you're just wondering what to do. And I love this. I love working with people one-on-one. I did this all the time in the clinic and it's a good combination of being able to do that again, but also, you know, be with my kids and it's, um, I just love it. It, it's a passion of mine and I just really want to be an encouragement to parents that there is a way to parent that feels good and that gets the job done. So all that being said, I want to just dive in and let you get a little sneak peek vision of what the session is like. So here we go. So we live in Nepal. I feel like that's kind of a big piece um, because that means that our kids are TCKs, which stands for third culture kid. I don't know if you've ever heard that term, Um, but it basically means that our kids are growing up outside of their host, host culture. So their culture isn't necessarily American and it's not really Nepali either. It's like a mix of the two. Um, so we have two boys just like you do. So I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. Um, so our house is crazy (laughs) most of the time. Um, 
And I feel like our biggest issue these days is with our oldest. He, I've read the book, highly sensitive child. He totally is highly sensitive. I'm still figuring out exactly what that means for him, but he's, um, very, very, I guess, emotionally intelligent. Like he's, he picks up on the emotions of others and like just so, so easily. And it's like his, like knocks my youngest, if he's upset, then my oldest Griffin struggles. Like he starts to get upset. And I guess that's his way of like maybe showing empathy. Um, but he's really sensitive to noise. He's really sensitive to excitement. Um, like he just, it's, he has a lot of energy. (laughs) So I feel like if he is, um, any bit excited, it's like, he doesn't quite know what to do with himself. Um, that's a lot like my five-year-old. He's like, yeah. From the things that you've said, I'm like, oh, there's a lot of stuff. So nice. And then he's like, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, and Griffin, he is so many good things. Like he's, he's really smart. Um, he is so sweet and he can be so sweet and so kind. Like if I buy, if we're out and I bought him like a piece of candy, he would always want me to buy a piece for Knox too. Like, I just feel like there's so many good things and so many like marks of maturity that I see in him. Um, but you've talked about this a lot on your podcast. I've listened to like aggression is I feel like our biggest issue with him. Um, and that for me is such a trigger and I'm not entirely sure why it is. Like, I don't know why it's such a trigger for me. I've thought about my past. I was spanked as a child and maybe that's why, um, my sister is 10 years older than me. And she told me a story and I mean, I'm assuming it's true. Um, cause she was, I guess, 10 at the time. Cause I was a baby, um, where the church that we were a part of, I was in the church nursery and I was four months old. And apparently, um, the caregiver at the time spanked me because I was crying as a four month old. And thankfully, like, that is not the church that I grew up in. Like, my parents left at some point. I don't remember how old I was. Um, So I don't know if, like, that plays into it because I have no memory of it, but it's just something I've been told. Um, But Griffin, when he gets really mad, um, when he gets really embarrassed um, and, like, just in general, like, overwhelmed, it comes out as aggression And sometimes like his, his aggressive tantrums can last like up to 30 minutes. And I feel like I can go for like 15 to 20 where I'm like, I'm going to be a positive parent. Like I'm going to handle this in a gentle manner. And then after about 15 or 20, I'm like, I'm so done. And that's where I struggle because I know that when I react to him in that way, I know I'm reinforcing the behavior and like, and I've seen it. Like if, if he starts to spiral and I escalate with him, I mean, I know it's going to be bad. And so it's so hard for me. (laughs) So I would say like, that's kind of the main thing that I need some help with. Okay. Um, is, so it's normally like 30 minutes pretty consistently. I would, it, I mean, he's not doing it every day, so that's good. Um, I'd say maybe twice a week is when it probably happens. And when it does, like, it doesn't necessarily always go that way, especially if me and my husband can remain in our calm space. Mm -hmm. But if we, if we don't, or even sometimes if we do, it can last up to 30 minutes. And also I feel like I should say this. We went to the States about a year ago 
So Griffin was 11 months when we moved to Nepal and he didn't travel back to the States until last year he was four. Um, so last July we left for the States. We were there for six months. We got back this past February. Um, and so that's a huge transition. And, um, a lot of our really like his best friends are in the States for furlough right now. And so he's his little brain and emotional state has been through a lot in the last little bit. When did you first notice the aggression? Like, was it around the time that you came back or? No. So, so I would say, I mean, I don't really remember him being very aggressive when he was one or two, but when he was three, um, we went into a COVID nationwide lockdown, um, where we literally didn't leave our house for like, I think it was like four or five months. Like we didn't get outside like at all. It was awful. And that was when he, he was hitting and kicking, but he was spitting in our faces. And that was really, really hard. And I don't feel like we handled it well. We've come a really long way of like doing research and stuff. So that's another thing that he does as well as part of his aggression. He kicks, he hits, he spits. If I'm trying to like hold him, he'll pull my hair. Um, so I would say it kind of started around three. And I mean, it's just kind of been a lot of different transitions that's probably brought that out in him. Aggression is like stored up fear in the body. Right. So it could be fear surrounding, um, you know, your child's like place in your family. So with another sibling, especially I've noticed, um, because my oldest is highly sensitive as well. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's just more awareness there. And like you said, really smart and probably a lot more intuitive than your average five-year-old and mm -hmm. the difference in, um, you know, attention is hard for every kid, but I think especially highly sensitive children. Um, and then you have all the extra stimulation and stuff. Um, so we don't necessarily have to know what there, and I, and I, you know, we don't necessarily have to know exactly where the fear is coming from, but just sometimes knowing that the aggression is stemming from a fear of some sort, maybe it's a fear of like, you know, when will I see my friends again? Cause fear can come right. from all that separation anxiety. Um, and it doesn't have to be, you know, with parents, it could be because your life is, you know, much different than maybe, you know, a five-year-old who is living here and knows, you know, their friends maybe aren't going to be gone. Like who knows when they'll come back or whatever sort of a thing. Um, so there's a lot of added layers there, but that's okay. <laughs> um, you can still work through it. And, um, what I would say first is, have you done, like, have you tried special time? Do you know what that is? Have you heard me talk about it at all? Yes. Um, every night we put our youngest to bed early and then it's either time with just me. And if my husband is like able to, he'll join in as well. So okay. we have implemented that. And I do feel like that has helped. Okay. Um, because we were for a while, we were putting both the boy actually sleep in the same bed together. We have bunk beds, but they want to sleep in the same bed. So we're like, okay, whatever. <laughs> but, um, we were putting them to bed at the same time. And I was kind of noticing that Griffin was like acting out at bedtime and he was getting like crazy and silly. And so I was like, you know what, why don't we just like put them to bed at a different time? It'll give Griffin alone time. And I've seen like a marked difference in that time. Cause I think you said that, like, if you notice a time that your child is getting 
dysregulated to add connection. And so we have added that at night. And I feel like that has made a difference. And you said that you notice, um, aggression, like with overwhelm or, um, just like overstimulated and that sort of thing. Is there anything particular that you notice tends to cause him to feel those things? You know, like, um, I think, yeah, definitely his little brother. Like it, I'm so thankful to have two boys, but sometimes I'm like, I just wonder what kind of kid, like what he would be acting like if there wasn't someone else in the picture, because I feel like Knox overstimulates Griffin and vice versa. They like overstimulate each other. And I don't always know what to do about that because they're brothers and they love each other and they do like play well together. But I've noticed that if like Griffin like if Knox hits Griffin or even if he accidentally hurts him, that's normally what sends Griffin into this spiral because he, you know, we talk about the Bible verse, like you don't return evil for evil, but he's not there yet. Like he just wants to return evil for evil. And so when like, you know, if Knox accidentally hurts Griffin, he cannot let it go. And he wants to like attack Knox. And so I'm blocking that and that makes him more mad. And then it just spirals. So why don't you tell me a little bit more about what it looks like? So like, you know, you said you block it and then kind of what's the process look like? I know you said you can stay calm for like 15 to 20 minutes, but like, are you, are you doing it right there? Kind of what um, exactly does that look like? So I feel like if my, if my husband is home, like, especially if Knox is around, I try to make sure that Knox is safe. So I'll be like, Madison, you need to take Knox away so that I don't have two kids that are kind of getting into the mix. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I say something to Griffin. I try to validate his feeling like you feel mad because of whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But I feel like mostly I'm just figuring out ways to block him. And I, I don't really know. It's so hard for me to do that. Um, one, just in general, but two, I feel like I listened to a podcast. I don't know if you've ever heard of connected families podcast. Um, they're great. Uh, they have so many great podcasts. I listen to them about like, you know, when your child hits you that you have to make sure that even when you're blocking them, that you're not doing it in a way that is like threatening to your child. Mm -hmm. And that's really, really hard for me. And so I'm like, in my mind, I'm like trying really hard not to like go to my like amygdala and be like, don't be threatening. Don't be threatening. But it's really difficult because Griffin, it's not like he's like one punch and then he backs away. He's like, both hands are going, both feet are going. Like if I get anywhere near him, he's like trying to pull my hair. And so I'm not sure how to block him in a way that's like keeping both of us safe. Cause I mean, he hurts. Like, it's not like a little, I mean, he's like going at it. And so what we've done is like, I've tried to like gently pin him on the ground where like, he's like not being, he's not getting hurt. Like I'm doing it as softly as possible, but that tends to make him more mad. But if I let him get up, he just comes at me. And so I've tried using like a pillow to hold him between us and that made him more mad. (laughs) So I'm just not like, I, we have a little trampoline and I've put him in there before to like, try to like jump out his anger. And then he ripped a hole in the netting. So like, I'm just like, I don't know what to do. Does so he that's ever, kind of, does he ever, um, cry? Like, does he? Yes. Cry he's like, he's like angry. You mean like in general or when this? General. Is- yeah. Aside from the aggression, is there times where like you notice, you know, something upsets him and he starts crying 
or he generally goes to the aggression? He generally goes to the aggression. So when Matt, I will say when Madison, my husband dropped me off here, um, he, he had tears when we said goodbye. And I, um, I've read the book rest, play, grow that talks about like leading your kids to like their sad tears. And Griffin has always struggled with that. Like, even when we've held like hard boundaries and have been like, you're so sad because you don't get to do X, Y, or Z. Like he has a really hard time letting himself cry. And I don't really know why, because I don't feel like anything that we've done has like, or at least not intentionally like communicated. Like we were constantly saying, it's okay to cry. Like, it's okay that you're sad feel this way, but in general, he cries very rarely. Well, and so I think, um, probably the reason for that is not to do with the fact that you're not comfortable with crying, but because he has that layer of fear on top of all those feelings. And in order to down into the crying, we need to peel that part off. And so I think, you know, unintentionally what's happening is he's getting aggressive. And then, you know, when you're unable to work all the way through that, he can't get to that deeper layer of, um, you know, letting out those feelings. And so I think, um, you know, starting with that aggression and trying to be able to work all the way through is obviously going to be the goal. I would say that, um, you know, normally what I would recommend is just like you said, you had tried the trampoline, but maybe take him into a room and just close the door if you haven't done that. And, you know, I'm all for like doing it gently and softly, but there does come a time and a place where you just have to hold him or um, contain him if he's going to hurt you. And because even though we're okay and understand that what is actually underneath the aggression, you know, we still need to make sure that we're communicating like you're safe and I'm going to keep you safe and I'm going to keep me safe. And I'm not going to let you hurt me because Mm -hmm. he's out of control. And especially, Mm -hmm. you know, again, that highly sensitive piece in the moment, he can't, um, control anything, but he knows I'm not supposed to hit or like, he probably doesn't want to be And I can tell he does it in his eyes. Like it's so obvious. He doesn't like it. So I think that if you can, um, cause sometimes I will have to, you know, put my son in between my legs, turn him. So he's face out and just kind of hold him and just say like, I'm going to keep you safe. And a lot of times he doesn't like it either. Um, but you might have to work through that barrier for him to then get deeper into the feelings and just saying things like, I, you're safe, you know, I'm going to keep safe because that, um, when you can connect with like, I am going to keep you safe, you are safe. Then all those feelings can start to bubble up and then the aggression can kind of work its way out and the feelings can start to come up and then you don't have to worry so much about the aggression, but then you can sit there and listen to all the deep hurt behind it, whatever that causes from. And it could just be layers, you know, of different things like brother being born and then, you know, your trip and friends and all like, there could be lots of layers. And, um, especially with aggression, it can be really hard because it's not one of those behaviors that like you do this once and it's like gone, you know? So, um, it's really something that you have to be ready for. And I would say, you know, um, something that I did a lot was, um, really just take a second and take some deep breaths 
or find, like if you need to go into your room and just like collect yourself. And even in the moment, if you feel like I am, um, like I'm coming to my end and I'm not going to be able to stay calm, just table it. Like if you can, and your husband can come in, or if you can just say, you know what, buddy, I need to go get a drink of water and I'll be right back or something so that you can regather yourself because the more we can stay calm throughout the whole thing, the more the feelings can come up because, you know, when you've started to have him process and then you're not able to keep calm unintentionally, obviously, you know, we're adding some more layer of hurt there that then has to be processed. So if, if you need to, I mean, obviously it's great if you can get to the place, which I think you'll be able to, where you can sit through the whole thing and stay calm. You know, that's the goal. But if you can't, it's better to just excuse yourself for a minute and come back and then just be like a redose of, okay, I can handle this maybe five more minutes. And then you need to go take a drink again, or your husband comes in and you tag team a little bit. That's totally fine. You know, cause the goal is let's ride it out because the more he can get out, the less the aggression is going to be at the surface. Um, so if that looks like, you know, having to hold him a little bit, so he stops, I would do that, but, and just repeat phrases like you're safe. Um, because again, thinking about the aggression is fear. So whatever, if you think it could be because his brother is getting more, I mean, you can kind of think about that day. Like, have I spent more time with his brother or, you know, my attention was drawn away for something else that he could be fearful that, you know, he's not getting the attention he needs from me, then you can cue things like, you know, I'm right here with you, or um, I'm always going to come back and play with you, or I'm always going to be right here if you need me, or like kind of cueing in a way that's going to be um, speaking to that fear. And if you don't know what that is, it's okay. You can just say you're safe and I'm, I'm right here with you. The other thing that I've really noticed, especially with more highly sensitive kids um, Mm -hmm. is you know, you said you're validating the feeling and I think that's really good. Um, but I think at the same time, sometimes we misunderstand what the feeling is. And when we're, you know, when we're saying it, we could be, um, just misinterpreting. Um, but what I've also noticed that really helps is just, um, verbalizing what you're seeing because I notice a huge difference between when I do that. And when I say like, I can't let you hit me because that's kind of, I, um, kind of learned at first is like blocking the hit or whatever and saying, I can't let you hit me versus you really want to hit me right now. And it is an immediate shift and like, Oh, okay. She understands what like, it's just like, you can see, like you said, you can see, he doesn't want to hurt you. It's almost like you can physically see just like, almost like a deep sigh, like oh, sort of a thing. So you could try cueing like that. Also. Okay. That's really wise. I love like, that's brilliant. Yeah. And I just think in my head, say what I see so that that way we're not misinterpreting anything, but we're not, not, um, adding anything in case we don't really know, because especially again, with highly sensitive kids, there could be so many things going on in there that we don't really know or expect, you know, of a five-year-old to be thinking, um, because 
in the moment that he's hurting you, he's probably thinking like, I don't know. I don't want to do this. I don't know how to stop. My brother really bothered me. This is really bothering me. And maybe if he's, you know, he might not even be like processing everything in that moment, but his body is really feeling that. Um, and, and when we store up a feeling, we are literally transported back to whenever that initial feeling got stuck, you know? So if, um, you know, that's why like kids can become really afraid of the doctor because they went to the doctor and maybe they got a shot and that fear around, you know, not knowing what was going on and all that kind of lumps that situation environment all together so that's why the next time they go to the doctor even if their mom's like there's no shots today or anything they're still in that place of fear and um, upset and they're crying or they don't want to go because they're transported back into that original time because they haven't fully processed through it so what whatever um he's upset about now isn't necessarily the trigger of i mean it's the trigger into the feeling but it's not Mm -hmm. necessarily because of that you know it's just triggering whatever that earlier experience was and that's why you're seeing so much intensity because there's a lot of fear there um so yeah I would really try to contain him if you need to I think it's just better because if um if if we don't and then we're getting hurt (laughs) you know then it it brings our anger to another level and then you know I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And then you just want to like, just, mm, you know, like hold him <laughs> Stop. Yes. Than you otherwise would. And so if you can just contain him, however you need to, that he's safe and you're safe, I think that's okay. And then just okay. repeating to him, like, you're safe. I'm going to keep you safe. Because I think a lot of times the fear, you know, is that like, you know, it's, especially when we're in a pattern of, having trouble being able to keep through it is that like they can't handle this like what am I going to do because I can't contain myself but they can't handle it and I think once you can really just get yourself through it then it will become easier for you and um you know I'm not going to say it's easy every time because it's still like there's still things there for you that that come up um but when you just bring yourself back to there's something he's fearful of here. He really needs my attention. He's crying out for my attention. And when you can bring that sort of connection and safety, then he can start to offload. And I think once you kind of work through some of the aggressive part and he really knows like you're in it with him, then more of that vulnerability with crying and stuff is going to come out, you know, cause we're all angry at the outside. And when we can be with somebody really safe and be vulnerable, that's where the crying comes out, you know? So, um, I think once you can work through some of that aggression a little bit more, more of those deeper, yeah. Okay. And, um, you know, that's where you just listen. And again, you don't have to be talking though. The one thing that I'll add to that is, um, uh, like re-stimulating. So as you kind of work through some of this aggression, um, when you're a child and you might not get to this point yet because of like your ability to stay calm, but you'll start to notice it as, as that kind of increases or as you maybe change out with your husband or take a break and come back, 
kids' behavior will cycle up high and then they'll start to come down because they'll start to try to stop themselves. So then what we need to do is re-stimulate them so they keep releasing feelings because just because they start to come back down doesn't mean they got it out. Especially, again, being highly sensitive or five, you start to recognize even at a younger age, um, this isn't like the best behavior. I know I'm not supposed right. to be doing well, I'm going to try to block that and stop it from coming out. So then they start to come down. Um, and so by re-stimulating it, you're allowing more of those feelings that are still there to keep being processed. And that's re really, you know, what we want to do is get more out because this is like an emotional backpack for him. There's so many things in there. And the more we can kind of let come out, the lighter that backpack becomes. And then eventually he'll have processed through all of those things. You know, who knows how long that will take. It just kind of depends on what's all in there. And we don't know that for sure. Um, but the more you can unpack in a time, the less he's going to be carrying, the more he can be clear to think. He's going to clear out a lot of room to be able to um, just do other things and take in the things that you're saying and learning and all that sort of thing. Um, so just being able to re-stimulate him. So that might look like, um, you know, he kind of finally calms down a little bit. I mean, I don't know, does he, when you make it through those aggressive spurts, are, is it because they're shorter or you've been able to keep calm? And then what does it, what does that look like um, in terms of like, does he just suddenly kind of stop or? Uh, it, it goes up. And then it starts to come back down. Like, I feel like normally because of lately how long they've been lasting, like I'm the one that's the most fresh in my mind was like, he started off with my husband and he was trying to like help him work through it. And then my husband was done. And so I took over and then I was trying to help him work through it. And then I was done. And then my husband worked it, worked like through it with him. And then he started to come down and he calmed down. So you have done the switching off and that seemed to help then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When, when my husband's home, we do try to switch off when we're like, I'm checked. I need to check out for a minute. That's good. Definitely do that. And if he's not home, like I said, just take, take a minute. Um, but yeah, so when, when you notice he starts to calm down, then basically re-stimulating is almost just providing a cue. It sounds bad, but you're intentionally trying to get him to feel that again. So like okay. setting a limit. So like, for example, if you know, he's going after Knox and trying to hit him as he's starting to come down. So don't wait till he's like, okay, I'm good. Let's go play. You know, like as he's starting to, you notice the aggression or like the anger or the yelling or whatever it is starts to um, simmer down a little bit. That's where you come in so that he's not like coming all the way down, but you're going to be able to try to get back in there. And you can just say, you know, I can't let you hit your brother. Or um, if he really wanted like sometimes, you know, it might be like you ask him to do something and he doesn't want to do it and you have to hold the limit. Like, well, you do need to go put your plate at the counter or something and just saying the cue so that it's re-triggering him back into the feelings. And that sounds kind of harsh, but we really want to try to get as much offloaded as we can. Um, okay. Because again, kids, kids learn really easily and really young and not even necessarily from us but it could be from from other things you know whether it's anything they're watching or other people they're around that might be um 
you know, that they're keying into what they're saying or doing. And they learn even just because the feelings are big, you know, for us, even if we start to have these huge feelings, we might be like, well, I don't want to show that right now or, you know, whatever. And they're trying to block them. And so by re-stimulating them and kind of transporting them into those feelings again, we're allowing more of that to release. And that's, you know, that's the goal is to try to keep them going so that right there's not so much stuck there. That like all of that makes sense to me because I feel like I've done that with Knox, like not even really realizing that I'm like, it's so funny how parenting my second seems so much easier than parenting my oldest. But, um, with Knox, like I know that the transition from America here has been really hard on him because of how little he was. Like he didn't really remember much of Nepal when we came back from the States And whenever he is like crying and having these big emotional outbursts and I'm just like letting it happen, a lot of times it will end up saying like, I want to go to America. I don't want to be in Nepal anymore. And it was because, you know, he didn't want to do something that I asked. Like, so that this all makes sense to me. Griffin has not really, Griffin has done that a few times, but Knox has really been the one to do that. So that makes sense to me that Griffin needs to do that and let those. And you have a perfect example of um, what, like you do it, you know, now it's just, I think probably the difference is it's crying versus. Versus Yes, absolutely. Okay. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did (laughs) listening in on that session. There's a lot more that we unpacked, but I had to cut it off somewhere. It was very challenging. Let me tell you, (laughs) but I hope that you gleaned some good pieces of information in case you're struggling with some similar things that this family was, or just a good insight into whether or not this might be something that can benefit you and your family. Because I know, especially for me, when I'm looking at doing something, I want to know what I'm getting into, right? I want to know what I'm investing in. And I hope you can see that your investment here is just a deep desire to truly help you figure out this behavior and give you solutions that actually work and not just work now, but they will work forever. So once you have these foundational skills, yes, maybe there's a little tweaking here and there, but these foundational strategies can be with you long-term, lifelong. And I think that is truly amazing. And isn't that what we're looking for in lots of areas of our lives? (laughs) So if that's something you're thinking about, I will put a link in the show notes. You can go and click through and look at all of the information, the details about it. And then there's a link there if you are ready to set something up. And before we go for good, I want to just leave you with this last little bit of encouragement from the mom I just spoke with. No, and I just want to encourage you. I know you have to go, but I do want to say this. Like, I don't feel like there's many, I think I said this in a message to you, like there's not many Christian voices in the evangelical world that speak to child development and to emotions the way that you do. So thank you. Cause like you're few and far between, but you're so needed. Real quick, before you go, if you felt encouraged and inspired by listening to this show, I'd love for you to leave a rating or review over at Apple Podcasts so we can spread the word to help other mamas feel less alone and find beauty in the behaviors. 
You can also take a screenshot of this episode, share it over on your Instagram stories, and tag me, at Kaylee Josire, and we'll all do a little happy dance together. I love nothing more than to cheer you on along this journey. This work is so hard, but don't forget, God has not only called you to it, but he has equipped you for it. Now go get connected. I'll see you next week.